or we facilitate some sort of a digital gig economy where they still have jobs without having the need to migrate to cities yeah right and if the government is successfully able to execute this then this would mean that they are able to solve a lot of problems in india they are able to solve the job problem in india they are able to solve the problem of overpopulation in cities while listening to understanding the future podcast i am the host punit gandhi and this podcast is developed in association with climate center for cities under the national institute of urban affairs and the ministry of housing and urban affairs this is a podcast where we discuss about the future of work in the field of climate change urban development innovation and sustainability with the help of leaders and visionaries working on ground as well as in the top management of public and private sector our objective is to better understand the future so that we can be prepared and intervene to enable climate actions in the urban areas hello everyone my name is punit gandhi and today we have with us on understanding future uh, dinesh goel he is the founder of asan jobs hi dinesh and welcome to understanding future Hi Pune thanks for inviting me. Yeah so uh, Dinesh if you could just give a brief background about uh, yourself as well as your company Asan Jobs that would be great. So I along with my co-founders we started Asan Jobs in 2014 November. So been almost 5 and a half years. The objective of starting the company was we thought that there is a potential white space in the entry level hiring in India. so a lot of people in the entry level jobs um, were moving online with jio coming into place and we thought that this would essentially mean that job search in this category will move from offline classifieds to online classifieds so we believe that there is a need for creating a digital platform for this category which was the hypothesis when we started out and that is something that we have been solving all these years um, so we ran the company independently for almost 4 4 and a half years and eventually we ended up selling it to olx in december 2018 currently we are a part of the olx group and we continue with our mission to democratize the job search in the entry level uh, workforce and yeah. to build a solid digital platform that can help these people find relevant job faster so uh, the focus of the company still remains the same or it has changed in certain ways so it is still the same uh, the focus had always been to build a large platform for the entry level job category in india yeah. which continues to the focus even uh, being a part of the olx group okay so what were the major challenges that you faced while creating such an ecosystem because uh, when we are talking about uh, blue collar and gray collar job that you are referring to how do you bring them on board on a digital infrastructure and uh, what did happen what challenges you faced and how did you overcome those things so i think uh, the challenges for us had been very similar um, as probably any technology platform has seen over the last 5 years so when we started out in november 2014 while smartphone penetration was increasing in india internet was still not very cheap it was a belief that somebody will come in uh, maybe a government entity or a private player which will actually make internet cheap so for the initial years our cost of acquiring the job seeker was very high because the job seeker was essentially not available online then after a couple of years jio came into being and internet actually became cheap so that solved the first major problem as a technology company that 
while we are trying to create a digital ecosystem, are your users actually available online? True. Right. Uh, but in principle, that is not something we solved. That was an ecosystem problem that automatically got solved. Okay. Then the second issue that we faced for probably another year, year and a half is around technology adoption. So while uh, internet access has been provided to the job seekers, their understanding of technology was not great in the beginning. So we did anticipate that it will move in a very um, in a very obvious way, right? Where the consumers first start using easy to use and high engagement mobile apps, yeah. uh, which typically end up being chat applications, for example, WhatsApp, Facebook Messenger, and so on. This is generally followed by social media. So then you move on to the likes of a Facebook or probably Instagram or things like TikTok that people find e- easy to use. Yeah. Then the third category generally becomes your e-commerce and uh, jobs is like an e-commerce platform. right? So then people start like looking for jobs online, then eventually they start shopping online and so on. So it is actually a gradual trend that educates people in terms of how to use technology. Okay. So we started seeing this somewhere towards the end of 2018 where people started uh, having decent bit of comfort in using jobs platform. Yeah. And now we are moving on to the next thing where it is about how do you reach to people in tier two and tier three cities hmm. as compared to just focusing on tier one cities. So yeah. the problems have kept on evolving based on what is a phase the company is in. Um, so earlier we were in a product market phase. Currently we're in a growth phase. So we're trying to figure out how to build a product that is useful for uh, ever increasing number of users. True. So are you currently in uh, Pan India or major metro cities, or what is the focus area of the company as of now? So we operate Pan India, but majority of the business is still in metro cities. So I'll okay. say that about seventy percent would be in metro cities. Not even metro cities, I'll actually say tier one cities, the top 10 cities in India. Okay. And 30% will be in the rest of the cities. Okay. So what, what is the inhibition for tier two, tier three cities to come on board? What do you see over there? So there is no inhibition per se, but uh, tier two cities generally do not have enough business. So tier two cities have a smaller ecosystem in terms of number of jobs. And hence, starting a tier two city is generally not very profitable for any company and not just the jobs company. So from a priority standpoint, we thought that first we will hit all the large cities in India and then we'll start moving to the tier two cities. Okay. Okay. And uh, you are working pan India, but then you are slowly moving towards tier two, tier three as the market opens up for you guys. I'm assuming. Correct. Correct. Okay. So you specifically deal a lot with blue collar and gray collar jobs. Any specific reason for that was there or were you not looking for white collar? No, so uh, we wanted to solve the volume hiring problem. Okay. So we wanted to get into a category where a lot of people are actually looking for jobs, even though probably the, probably the revenue that you will make will not be substantial per transaction. into mass market segment in the jobs category. Now, the mass market segment in India is the entry level, which is typically a blue-gray collar workforce, which is there. Yeah. Okay. And are they sustaining themselves on these jobs? It is a volumes-based job. But then I'm also assuming that 
the opportunities and the number of people might also be imbalanced. So they might constantly be moving around. Uh, so they might be that, okay, if someone else is paying me better money, uh, I'll go towards that. If uh, they're not paying me, I'll stay with this company as soon as I feel that, okay, this is done. Because this is eventually a contracts job. It is not something that they are hired full time at a lot sure. of places. So how does uh, that function out? That Do you see a lot of people shifting a lot of jobs or do you see that there is a stable stability in such kind of growth market as well for such jobs so definitely stability is an issue however there are multiple factors which are at play because of which the stability becomes questionable okay so a lot of hiring is basically seasonal hiring so if you look at the hiring trends in india then there is a clear spike in October, November, which is the big festival season in India. So yeah. logistics companies, fintech companies, they will hire in large numbers. While your Q2, which is July to September, is generally the dullest in the year in terms of hiring. Right? Because okay. you do not have any particular consumer spending trends in Q2. Okay. So this becomes one reason. Um, a lot of these people are actually migrants from uh, different towns and villages. So they okay. would prefer to spend certain number of months in a city yeah. and then go back to the village, do farming for a few months and then come back to the city again. Oh, uh, interesting. Right. So that's another trend we will generally see. Uh, yeah. Salaries typically tend to be low. Okay. And if somebody offers probably, let's say 500 more, so yeah. 500 more typically translates into four to 5% of somebody's salary. Okay. So that becomes large enough incentive for people to actually switch jobs. So the stability is generally very, very poor uh, and people do not continue to stick around for multiple reasons. Uh, Salaries also generally do not rise a lot except for few segments that become hot. So for example, um, over the last few years, delivery boys as a category has become very, very hot. Okay. Salaries in this segment has picked up. But in entry level, the salaries are fairly constant. They do not pick up significantly. A lot of the hike is actually linked with the government revising minimum wages in a particular state. Okay. Right? Uh, and that's somewhere, I, I'll say that that somewhere is something that needs to change. So while we do see salary increment happen at a white collar level, at least to the extent of the yearly inflation, which is there, that is not a trend that we see at an entry level, which okay. at least in my view, it should change and there should be reasonable salary hike that should happen at entry level also year on year. Yeah. Uh, let's for the audience at least also define what are the current different types of blue collar and gray collar and white collar jobs that you guys deal with so that they are aware more about it. So very, very heavy focus is on logistics. Um, so we do a lot of delivery boys, warehouse executives, pickers, packers, loaders, etc. Uh, we do a lot of sales hiring as well, uh, which are typically our field sales executives. Uh, we do a lot of voice hiring as well, which is a telecallers, customer care, etc. Yeah. Uh, entry level office jobs, data entry, back office, accountants, etc. Yeah. Uh, so I think across these segments, we would cover about 85 to 90% of what we do. Then okay. there are certain like specialist roles which are also entry level. So for example, in diagnostics, you will have a phlebotomist as a role. Right. So yeah. people who who are at home and collect blood and all. So these are just specialized categories of various roles, uh, which will largely constitute the rest of the work that we do. Okay. 
Okay. And how do you see this jobs changing in future? Because yes, I, for delivery and all, I still don't see a lot of tech coming in and drones flying around in India, at least maybe in other parts of the world, it might be possible. And you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but how do you see tech kind of intervening with such kind of blue collar and gray collar jobs in future? Is this in context with what has happened because of COVID or in general? In general. Got it. So from an India context, I think two things will come into play. Uh, And one trend has actually started happening. uh, I'll say that been four or five years now. So gig economy has started picking up in India, right? Uh, And the major reason why the gig economy started picking up was uh, employers were looking at ways in which they can have a back-to-back arrangement with the employer. Right? So okay. instead of talking about a fixed salary model, can I talk about that, you know what, you deliver one packet for me and I will pay you a certain amount of money for that packet. Yeah. So in that case, I have a back-to-back arrangement with the employee and if it delivers, then he makes the money. If it does not deliver, then as a company, I do not have any headache of having any fixed cost on my book. Right? So that was yeah. the core hypothesis. And this actually started picking up globally after the 2008 crisis. And in the 2008 crisis, post the 2008 crisis, there was a problem where companies were looking to reduce their fixed cost, but people were also looking to increase their income. So they started doing some sort of freelancing work where they can be paid per assignment that they do. And that resulted in a lot of interesting companies come up. So Airbnb and Uber both started in 2009, 2010. And both are example of people trying to make extra money because now the cash is low. So that's almost 10 to 12 years that this concept started. It started picking up in India to some extent uh, with Uber and Ola scaling up in India. But the concept started becoming even more popular with the food tech companies hiring delivery boys on a per delivery kind of a model. And ever since there has been a debate going on that does it make sense, does it not make sense? And because of COVID, I think that debate has actually increased because yeah. now people are talking about, does it really make sense to have uh, employees in a gig format or should there be some sort of a social security that companies should take care of, which might be like a provident fund or a health insurance, et cetera, et cetera. So my understanding and my view based on the entire thing, especially because of COVID, I think two things will happen. One, I think gig economy is here to stay. So I the government will push for certain social security measures. I think those social security measures will be built as a layer on top of the gig payouts. So now a logistics company will hire a delivery boy and say that I will continue to pay you as per like per delivery. But on top of that, I will probably take care of like some provident fund and some health insurance in addition to it. But I will still not submit any fixed salary to you because I'm not keen to have a fixed cost on my book because of COVID companies have also had a, like a very bad run and they're also bleeding massively on the cash flow. True. Um, I think gig economy is here to stay and that is not going to change. However, it will be, it, there will be an over, there will be a layer of like social security norms that will come in because of the government intervention. I think the second interesting trend that will start coming up in India So because of COVID, people have realized that it is possible to work remotely. So now uh, one key thing that 
had happened in india after jio was a lot of people got access to internet and uh, internet has is actually very very cheap in india and decently speed speeded internet which is there but people never believed that is it possible to have a workforce that works in like a completely remote manner and still deliver results now companies in the valley and companies globally generally tried the remote working culture even pre covid yeah. uh, but companies in india had generally been reluctant to do this at least before covid now they have no choice and they are they have to do it but one trend that i anticipate will come along and i see a lot of entrepreneurs talk about it is india has a lot of people and a lot of these people stay in tier 2 tier 3 towns and villages and now most of them have access to internet at least on mobile yeah can you have a platform that can make use of this massive workforce to deliver gig kind of tasks for which they can be paid right so very very small tasks that can be delivered over internet uh, people can look over those tasks on the mobile phone They but can, are you are you here talking about uh, specifically white collar jobs if i'm not wrong or are you even talking about blue and gray so i i lot have a definition to that so basically the hypothesis that at least till now what gig economy has meant is you have people who do physical tasks in a gig format right so you will have a driver who will drive the car for you right? yeah. or uh, you will have a delivery boy who will deliver the food for you yeah gig tasks that are not essentially physical but that are digital will now start coming up ha huh. so digital gig task is something that will come up that yeah. might be an entry level task right or that might be uh, a white collar task for example if you have to moderate the images product images uploaded on amazon yeah right for me it will be very similar to what a entry level moderator will do for amazon setting out of its office it is just that now there is a third person who is probably sitting in a tier 2 town and executing the same task or it might be a white collar gig as well uh, white collar gigs have typically been around for some time now yeah. blue collar gigs have not been around at scale but i think what the world will see is digital blue collar or probably digital entry level gigs that will become popular and uh, utilizing the massive workforce that exist in india in yeah. tier 2 towns and villages but uh, okay uh, that that's very interesting for me so my whole concept of gig and what i think about gig is that there are two forms of gig economy where uh, one is entry level we are talking about blue collar and gray collar jobs uh, in that jobs particularly you see a lot of people moving from rural to urban to specifically do the job that you were just mentioning before while the whole digital economy uh, or digital gig economy we are talking about that is the freelancers market and i have been part of it as well uh, to a certain extent i do it because it's a comfort of my home that i get that i don't have to move out anywhere i can still do it from home and i can still continue as it is but as you are saying that there will be now a digital gig economy for blue, uh, entry level jobs as well and in that case they will also not have to move from rural to urban sector that is what i am implying here and uh, what all other kinds so one is if uh, you are putting a picture on amazon but what all other kinds of job you are specifically looking there which falls under such cat- categories that you expect 
so uh, the broad level hypothesis is that jobs that do not need a lot of training jobs that involve small tasks that can be completed and jobs that can be completed just over the internet is in principle what can be done right now these can be like pure play digital jobs which are like moderation jobs of content across various platforms so yeah. image moderation is one but for example all technology platforms go through content moderation which is there yeah. right uh, these can be basic excel jobs where you are required to clean up some sort of data uh, these can be some sort of lead management jobs where you have to enhance the amount of data that is available for a particular lead for a sales process and so on this can be basic calling jobs where uh, probably there is a distributed customer care setup and the calls are allocated to people who are there in the like tier 2 towns and cities yeah. uh, which need very very basic level of training so somebody will attend a customer care call and he, then he will upload the status on a mobile app and so on but in principle jobs that are easy to do and require very very basic training is something that can be built on such a platform now some of these kind of platforms have existed for quite some time amazon does something like this called mechanical turk in us not in india but there uh, but i have not seen a successful platform in india the question is that because of covid and because of how internet has moved in india and because of the fact that now all of us have learned uh, that it is possible to work from home it is possible to work remotely will such a shift come along yeah right so my entire problem with uh, how the setup looks like in tier 2 tier 3 towns and very relevant to the question also that you asked that uh, why do we do 70% of our work in tier 1 cities and only 30% in tier 2 tier 3 yeah right uh, the problem is that there are not enough job opportunities in tier 2 tier 3 so the ecosystem is not very large the number of jobs is fairly limited and yep. because of this for a company like us to move there is a difficult thing to do because it does not make financial sense now generating job opportunities in a physical world where we talk about things like starting an infrastructure project or starting a manufacturing company or setting up a physical customer care center is a time consuming task so yep. while all of this can be done and i'm sure that the central government and respective state governments are trying to do it to generate the jobs closer to where the people actually live it is going to be a long drawn process a much faster process is if the jobs can be created digitally yeah which is a bet where i think that like the 2008 crisis that resulted in the start of a gig economy uh, this crisis will actually push the digital gig economy instead of the physical gig economy and that will actually boost uh, give a significant boost to jobs in Like tier two, tier three, and villages, and that might just solve a lot of issues that we face as a country. Okay. For example, a lot of migration to cities happen because people are not able to get a job in the town and villages. Yeah, right. So if that is cut out, and if people are able to work remotely and they're able to earn a living while still being in their home town and city, the migration will get reduced. The load that these cities face that will get reduced. Absolutely. So it's a good. Uh, it's just an anticipation that it should happen, uh, but it is anybody's guess if that will actually come along well. 
Okay. So if that is the case, then my understanding also then goes towards that. Okay. If that has to happen or we have to shift to such kind of ecosystem or we want to move such kind of ecosystem, a lot of training institutes needs to come into place in tier two, tier three cities to make sure that there is a fast growing skill set in places over there so that such kind of jobs can be picked up. Not really. Um, so I don't think you need physical training centers for these. Right? So, okay. it's a, so basically it's a catch 22 situation. You would typically need physical training centers where you will need to train people for a significantly long period of time. Yeah. So if you have to train people on basic stuff, then that training should ideally happen digitally. Okay. Right? So there can be online training companies that can generate digital content publish it and then people can get trained by consuming that content. Okay. It should work beautifully if the training requirement is, let us say, four to eight hours that you get trained for four to eight hours and then you're equipped well enough to start doing the task. Okay. Um, in case you need training, which is like 30 to 40 hours of training to start doing the task, then that will not really be a scalable thing from a, a digital gig economy standpoint because that would in principle mean that for you to do every new gig, you need to invest a significant amount of time and effort in getting trained for it. Okay. And, uh, and that actually kills the pace at which the digital gigs can move. So I would not really think that uh, there is a need for physical training centers, uh, mm. but there is an absolute need for uh, online companies or digital companies that can train these people uh, to deliver whatever is the gig they're required to do on the platform. Okay. Is it basically because of uh, cost of training and everything that then goes in is not affordable for the company? I'm assuming that is the major issue if it is 30 to 40 hours of training. Yeah, so uh, it, it's actually both things. So cost is definitely there, but I think uh, more than the cost, it's really the lead time to get started on something. Right. So uh, for example, if I have to invest 40 hours in getting trained for a task, Right, then uh, I would want to be sure that by getting trained for such a task, I should be at least able to make 10 to 15,000 every month consistently for a year. Yeah. Right. So probably I should be able to make one and a half lakhs to two I, lakhs I would a year, say it would be a bit lower because it's tier two, tier three. Probably, probably. So maybe not 10 to 15,000, but let us say eight to 10,000. Yeah. Uh, that I would hope that by investing so much time in getting trained for a skill, I should be able to earn this much for at least a year, eight to 10,000 every month for at least a year. And that in principle does not really work very well for a gig kind of an ecosystem. Okay. So in a gig kind of an ecosystem, you need tasks that are very, very simple to perform. Anybody could probably learn and do, learn like doing that in probably one to two hours or max, probably three to four hours or eight hours and then start doing it. So while tasks that will need a slightly longer training 30 to 40 uh, they would also be there but they will not actually form the cornerstone of how the platform will scale okay right. and even with these kind of trainings i would probably like to believe that training institutes should do a digital setup instead of a physical setup yeah uh, a physical setup might not make a lot of sense for them from a cost standpoint so going to a tier two town and a tier three town uh, where the population is not very large and then setting up a training institute to like start training people, it might not be cost effective at scale. 
that can be workshop model if uh, means i have to go into that whole ecosystem it can be like okay every week we are doing one workshop here then second workshop in another city third workshop in another city so right right my only thought process over here is that we are increasing training from one day to maybe three or five days that three or five days might have a bigger impact on long term that okay i understand <laughs> uh that you cannot get a sustained yearly income but if you can get sustained 8 to 9 months of income uh, also uh, every year that might be an interesting proposition for them that maybe that four months that they are not getting which might be some rainy season or something accordingly seasonal jobs can be looked into tier 2 tier 3 cities as well uh, which is a high probability uh, a seasonal jobs in tier 2 tier 3 city so i i'm not sure i'm just trying to work around that no no absolutely i think i think that makes sense uh, the only thing that i probably think might happen is that uh, digital adoption in the training space might also be high so the ultimate model that might succeed um, it might be like an online plus an offline model where yeah. you're delivering a large piece of content in an online way but there is also physical touch point which can be in the form of workshops or probably seminars that happen yeah um in these towns and cities where that ends up becoming a physical touch point for these people so absolutely that that can definitely be there okay okay so we have talked a lot about entry level jobs now coming to the uh, more managerial professional job roles india is now moving towards freelancing jobs more uh, skill labor high skill labor jobs and where do you see that kind of gig economy growing in india because still now we have mainly had export based gig economy if i am not wrong a lot of export of service was happening as a freelancer and everything how will the internal gig economy of the indian market itself will frame around if you can shed some light on it so this is specifically related to white collar you are saying yeah yeah this is specifically to white collar right so um i think it has been an interesting space um but one that is fairly difficult to answer um conclusively how it will actually pan out so while the gig economy has been picking up in india it has also been picking up in other parts of the world so there are a lot of freelancers from india but um, off late a lot of freelancers have started coming up in for example eastern european countries which have started providing high quality engineers and designers uh, technology developers and so on good number of people have started coming up in philippines vietnam and so on so i think it's uh, while it is booming it is it will continue to be a tough segment for india generally there are few few trends that we see so one trend is when companies abroad they decide to outsource tasks in an organized manner so they will not really catch hold of a freelancer but they will catch hold of an outsourcing company who will execute a complete operation for them yeah these kind of operations typically are tech support operations or they uh, are like customer care operations and so on and uh, while conventionally india has had a good proportion of business in these segments largely because of people who could speak english fluently and a high proportion of english speaking people in cities in south and cities like indore etc etc of late a trend that we have seen is a lot of these jobs have started going to other southeast asian countries okay. so countries like philippines vietnam thailand cambodia etc they have started picking up a major share of these jobs from india 
there are multiple factors because of which this is happening. Um, so while the ease of doing business in India has gone up, uh, certain countries have actually made it uh, way, way easier compared to India and like getting a license and uh, to help foreign companies start these uh, centers in their own countries. So for example, Vietnam has recently picked up a lot of customer care setups from India. And the ease of doing business in Vietnam, at least what I have heard from global companies is significantly uh, better compared to India. So that's one trend. The proportion of English speaking population in these countries has also started going up. So I think it's going to be a tough answer, at least in this kind of a segment. For the IT segment, again, there is a competition that India is facing. So a bit of that competition is in Eastern Europe, some bit of competition is in Southeast Asia. Uh, while India still continues to be significantly ahead in terms of IT outsourcing. Yeah. And so that's the second segment which is there. Now, once you move from structured outsourcing programs and you move on to individual freelancers who will probably just do a task for you and they will not go to a company and then there are foreign companies who want to sort of engage with you. That trend is also picking up in India. There are a lot more people who are willing to take up freelancer jobs. And typically, multiple reasons are there. But one reason that um, at least we have seen pick up in the recent years is freedom to work. So people do not want to be constrained with a eight hours job. They do not want to be constrained with like coming to the office on a daily basis. They want to sort of work out of remote locations. They want to have flexible work timings. And generally, the payment that global companies pay is significantly higher compared to what the Indian companies pay. So the per hour rate is like significantly higher and uh, people do want to enjoy this kind of a work setup at least for a few years. So we have seen a lot of people drop out of jobs and do this for two to three to four years, have fun at work, enjoy and uh, generate significant amount of money as well. But after this period, they would they typically come back to a proper job because as a freelancer, you do not really have a career. Right? So there is no career trajectory that is there you will always end up being an individual contributor. Yeah. And as an individual contributor, there is only so much money that you can make. And there are only so many problems that you can solve. Yeah. While if you look from an aspirational standpoint, you want to improve your financial takeaways and you want to solve different problems. You want to solve challenging problems. A lot of people aspire to move into managerial roles. And these are generally not things that you get as a freelancer. So people tend to have like two to three to four years in their career then they take up these jobs because of how lucrative they are and how flexible they are. But after that, they come back to a proper corporate job and then they start going up. Overall, we believe that this trend is going to go up significantly. Uh, COVID has actually pushed this trend even further. Companies globally are also facing a cash crunch. So for them, they also want to outsource the job because for them, it's just cheaper to get something done in India compared to getting it done from uh, their own country. A lot of interesting tools have come up that facilitate remote working, which did not exist earlier. Uh, People have got into the habit of remote working and delivering productively while working remotely. So all these are positive signals for the freelancing or gig economy in the white collar segment. Yeah. Okay. So coming to one of the last, uh, second last, I'll say I might have one more after this, but you are coming from a recruiting background and how do you see that changing with this whole change of gig economy? How will recruiting as well as job search will change uh, with time when this gig economy keeps on increasing? And I would prefer for both something on entry level as well as something for white collar. 
what do you see over there um so there are few good changes that we anticipate will come along uh, so recruitment fundamentally we have believed has in general been an extremely inefficient process that that's a problem globally not just in india in india it just ends up being extremely inefficient right uh, so candidate typically has to go through multiple rounds of interviews there is no formal tracking of feedback yeah uh, feedback really does not pass from one round to another you might end up interviewing for a lot of companies before you actually get a final offer and there are significant challenges on the other side also which the companies face so i think one interesting thing that we hope will come along is automation okay. right so people would want to get in a mode where they will say that uh, you know what if 50% of the recruitment decision can be made without actually talking to the candidate let us try to get into that mode right so can we have better assessments can we have recorded interview feedbacks and if yes then that significantly saves time for the recruiter or that significantly saves time for the employer so that's one interesting trend that we anticipate will come along the second interesting trend is uh, people in general have been extremely fuzzy about face to face interviews right so we have never been a big fan of that because we always believe that a video interview is probably as good as a physical interview yeah right? uh, while while there might be some shortcomings which are there but uh, as an employer i should be okay to live with it just to save the candidate any hassle to travel to the interview location so uh, and you can invite the candidate to travel once you are reasonably confident that you're going to make an offer so given that there was no choice in the lockdown and hiring had to go on people have started now moving on to uh, telephonic interviews and video interviews and this i think is going to be a very interesting trend that will continue in the future and this will take save significant amount of money for both the candidate and the employer in terms of travel cost and travel time right so that's uh, another thing that we will uh, we are anticipating will come along third i think there will be a surge of work from home jobs and there will be a surge of remote jobs um, companies are thinking on lines of how to optimize their cost so they are trying to figure out ways like uh, instead of calling everyone to the office five days a week can i have a roster format where probably each person visits the office for only 3 days a week and i can take up a smaller office space instead of a very very large office space uh, that i had to probably take the number of jobs uh, is still debatable there are few trends that make us believe that the number of jobs will go down so in principle there will be a job loss but there are also few trends that make us believe that uh, they will go up so i think net net it will even out so we hope that there will be a lot more jobs created in the digital ecosystem which might be e-commerce or probably food tech etc etc but the number of jobs from the physical ecosystem will go out right yeah. so the number of sales jobs might actually go down sales people might start doing a lot of their meetings online that will facilitate and help them do a lot more meetings per sales person etc uh, so difficult to comment on that i think net net it will be it should remain the same and there should not be any significant difference that should uh, probably come along yeah i think i think those would be the major trends that we anticipate in the recruitment ecosystem okay and uh, then coming to the last question uh, we have already spoken about uh, short training courses for in rural area but other different kinds of skill sets so what do you think will be core in future when we are looking at maybe a blue collar or gray collar job as well as white collar job that what kind of skill sets would be essential 
in long run and i'm i'm talking about maybe 10 to 20 years down the line when ai is actually already embedded in the system ml is embedded you have vr drones are already there hopefully at that time i'm not sure to what extent it will be there but somewhere on those lines so for the white collar segment uh, technology will be very very important and that had been and that continues to be one advice that i give people that try to see if you can actually move towards the technology domain now this technology domain might be ai ml blockchain kind of technologies that will progressively become way more important as the world moves towards automation smart systems and more intelligent systems that can actually help the world uh, operate more efficiently and probably one trend that i see is that in cities you will generally have people who are working on white collar technologies because the cost of living in a city is very high and companies would typically end up paying very high salaries if they set up offices in the cities yeah. and that would essentially mean that they would only want to recruit the high end skill set workforce based out of a city right so that's one um, a lot of jobs will actually get automated so if you are in a if you're doing a job that is that does not involve any significant decision making and that's a very um, let's say cut copy paste kind of a job yeah. they will start getting automated significantly uh, they are already getting automated but i think that trend will become even more pronounced in five to 10 years uh, image processing for example is picking up very very fast right? yeah. so data entry also will sort of become obsolete a lot of jobs that are related to responding to emails and basically back office kind of jobs they will end up becoming redundant yeah. because ai will essentially facilitate like getting sending out replies to emails in an automated manner and so on jobs that still need some bit of decision making and some bit of communication they would essentially happen in a very very distributed manner okay. so companies might not be willing to take up a permanent office space for these kind of jobs in the future right now these can typically be customer care jobs or sales jobs etc which might run on a digital gig economy kind of a format right and uh, to actually excel in these kind of jobs uh, you would need communication skills that that have to be like paramount right so good english speaking skills good skills in speaking in local languages and so on good skills uh, in terms of talking to other people right so you can say sales skills is something that would be required and this is one consistent training that at least we push people to take up continuously that if you are good at selling things or if you have gone through a proper structured sales training program then in general you have a skill that uh, a lot of companies will find relevant so skills that are fairly objective they will end up getting automated and probably they will not have a place in a world 10 or 15 years from now oh, okay thank you thanks a lot i think that was quite insightful uh, on a very good level from bottom to top uh, any specific comments or things you would like to talk about uh, gig economy you can share it as well uh, so thanks monit uh, i think very very uh, insightful conversation and fairly um, good questions that would probably um, answer some of the trends that will come up in india probably a few uh, overarching points so i think one government will have a significant role to play in creating this ecosystem effectively um i think india is at a very very interesting situation where a lot of people in india have access to internet yeah. and a lot of people in, in in india will be able to execute tasks sitting at their home yeah. the question is that 
can a country like india leverage its massive workforce quickly so when you look at trends of what japan managed to do after the second world war and what china managed to do after 1980 they were able to create a large manufacturing economy interestingly these countries were able to move very very fast set up a lot of factories in their remote areas and make sure that all of the people in these remote areas are able to get a job now for a country like india which has a population similar in size to china there are only two options either we create infrastructure which is developed at a fast enough pace in these remote areas tier to town cities and villages so that a lot of people in these areas have access to jobs or we facilitate some sort of a digital gig economy where they still have jobs without having the need to migrate to cities yeah right and if the government is successfully able to execute this then this would mean that they are able to solve a lot of problems in india they are able to solve the job problem in india they are able to solve the problem of overpopulation in cities they are able to solve a problem where the cities are overstretched for resources because a small city is like putting like a 2x kind of a population so i think very very interesting situation for the government so while private companies and private players will continue to do this uh, government can actually like have a very very uh, significant impact in this segment and if they are able to get this right then uh, our trajectory towards chasing china just becomes better and uh, so just coming to that point uh, so what do you think what kind of situation you see like okay I, i do understand government needs to push it but and they are pushing it i think through atmanirbhar or make in india and things like that as well uh, but what other kinds of policy or other kinds of job sectors do you think can be pushed from the government side to make sure that such things can be actually scaled up so i think uh, one key thing that the government should start looking at is the ease of doing business itself right uh, and we should be very very transparent about it so while we are very happy that certain companies are shifting their base from china to india uh, we should take a lot more pragmatic view and see that how many companies have actually come to india versus how many companies have moved to vietnam yeah right so key question that the government needs to answer is um, we are a country of 1.3 billion people and there is a massive youth workforce that enters into uh, like the job space at the year where they're looking for a job how do you facilitate that all these people are able to get a job in a meaningful manner sure. uh, so one key problem to solve is that how do you make sure that india has a lot of jobs yeah. and to answer that you need to make it very very easy for companies to actually set up like start operating in india right so while the government has done a lot over the last 8 to 10 years there is still a long way to go on that right uh, companies should feel welcome companies should be able to see a red carpet that the government of india is welcoming us to set up our shops in india and so that we can provide jobs to people in india so i think that's that's going to be a very key factor whether you're looking for a physical uh, job setup in these areas or probably digital job setup so that's one key problem to solve um the second is um the training setups need to be more meaningful again the government has done a significant job in that over the last 8 to 10 years but can we actually facilitate companies that do digital training in a meaningful manner or they do training that can ultimately result in people getting a job can the government start investing in these companies can the government move faster in identifying these companies and so on so that can the government actually facilitate creation of these ecosystems 
Yeah. Uh, the government start appointing nodal officers in each of these tier two towns and cities and villages that do a way more effective job compared to what the employment exchanges have been doing. So yeah. the job of an employment exchange has been very, very similar that they need to make sure that these people are, uh, that almost everyone who is looking for a job is able to get a job, but their effectiveness is extremely questionable. So can the government start making them more effective? And I think a lot of other similar uh, things can be done, which will actually facilitate. Uh, the government started giving some subsidies. Uh, I think this is almost four or five years back to set up customer care outlets in tier two towns. And I think the government identified some 15 tier two cities for that. So that's a very positive move. But because of that, I know um, a lot of large customer care companies go to these cities and start operating in these cities. Uh, so moves like these are very, very helpful. So can the government set up, let's say, an IT zone in an upcoming city uh, that can attract a lot of engineers and designers to work in those cities? Right? Can the government give tax benefits for companies for operating in these cities? Right? So a lot of policies similar to um, what Bangalore did when it was coming up, what Hyderabad did when it was coming yeah. up, all these need to be thought through well and all these need to be executed well at a quick enough pace to help build an ecosystem that goes beyond just the top 10 cities in India. Right? Because India, unlike most of the countries, is not a 10-city country. Sure. So India can't operate like a country in Europe where there are very few cities with a million population. Given the number of cities that have a large population, somebody needs to figure out how to like control migration and create job opportunities where the job seeker is. True. And the best person to do that is the government. True, true. Okay, thank you. Thanks a lot. I think that was very insightful on all different levels. And uh, yeah, uh, I will. I think audience would enjoy it as well. Thank you, Dinesh. Thanks, Dinesh. You have been listening to Understanding the Future podcast. To know more about Climate Center for Cities, visit us at www.c-q.niua.org and follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter and Instagram. The show is conceptualized, hosted and produced by Punit Gandhi. You can listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and Spotify. So don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and share it with your friends and colleagues. Thank you and stay tuned for the next episode.